of God, the truthfulness of God, the faithfulness of Jesus in saving us. And we're going to use scriptures from Hebrews, Psalms, and Romans, and we're going to explain this concept. We're also going to look at the law and mixing law and grace and how that is not good for us and how we should only trust in Jesus and what he has done for us. Let us just pray together as we start this service. Father, I want to thank you for your goodness and your kindness. I want to thank you for the grace that you have towards us. Thank you that you love people and that you want them to know who you are and what you are and what you've dreamt for them. Thank you for your love, O oh God, the wonderful love that you express towards us. Amen and amen. Okay, we are going to start um, from Hebrews chapter 2. 10 and uh, we're going to read from verse 1. The scripture says, For the law having a shadow of the things to come, not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. You can see here that God has got uh, perfection in mind. Verse 2, For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Okay, what is very important to understand here is that the way the writer of Hebrews addresses the law is from the perspective of the law setting people free from sin. In other words, the law was not something that you had to do to qualify before God. That is not the context where it is used. It is used as a remedy for sin. And that, I believe, is the true context wherein we find the law. The law was basically that which you had to do to set you free from the power of sin and the power of death itself. So the law, many times, even in gray circles, we've preached the law. I've done it myself, but I've come to deeper insight on what it was to the Jews. The law was something that they thought they had to do, or it was a way of living that would keep you free from the bondage of death and decay and corruption and so forth. So the, the writer of Hebrews here come and he does address the law as a remedy. That's why we see in verse 1 there it says, For the law having a shadow of the things to come, but not the very image of the things, can never were those sacrifices which uh, they offered year by year continually make the comers there unto perfect. So the law couldn't bring perfection. The law could not bring a condition where you are not a slave of sin. So man was basically enslaved under the power of death, under the power of destruction, under the power of decay, under corruption, and then the law was given as something that could set man free from that. We see that just in typical laws in a country as well. The law is offered as that which would assure 
freedom and protection and the uh, it would stop crime and all those kind of things it's like if you if if there's a lot of thieves we would bring in a law that says well uh you know you should not steal and then there would be a punishment connected to that and that would then get people to say let me follow after the law and my life will not be inhibited i will be free i will live a good life so let me then not steal so the law was seen as something that could remedy man from the uh the bad or the evil power they were under what the writer of hebrews then come and does here is he says that the law didn't have the power to do that we find that the law could not do that through the old sacrificial system it couldn't set people free from sin and says here if it was possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin then it would only have been given once now that is very important thing to know as a foundation I want to also bring to your attention that I do know that we today in the church are not in a place where we are even familiar with a sacrificial system. It is not basically relevant to preach to us. This was a relevant message to the Jews. It was is the Hebrews. This is written in Hebrews. It was written unto the Hebrews. So it was for people that was of that culture. And you might say, but how's this relevant to me? Now <clears throat> I do believe it does have relevance in how we have changed laws, the, the laws of that time, into something else. We've just got a different set of things that we think we need to do that can set us free or secure our future and so, so forth. Now, I want to just warn you by telling you this. When the Hebrew people heard the message that was addressed to their law system and what they think would secure their future, um, and go the gospel was preached to them, and they were told, listen, man, that which you think can set you free and keep you free and assure a good manifestation and a rulership of the kingdom of God in the earth is actually not powerful enough to set you free. It was highly offensive to them. Now, it is not offensive to us, you know, we would hear that and say, yeah, man, those Jew boys, they should have known better. But if we go and we address things the way, uh, in a way that is closer to our hearts, we will find that the, we also become offended. And uh, the scripture in Hebrews, which says that a son, when God sees you as a son, he's going to uh, basically correct you. And he's going to bring correction and that correction is not pleasurable. That, that is going to be the feeling that we will have as well. So first of all, as an introduction, I'm pointing out here that the, uh, the law was not able to help man to be set free from sins. We say it this way. You cannot legislate holiness you cannot have anybody set free by legislation. And that is basically what was taking place here. They thought the holy life was to live by the law. But as they lived by the law, did the sacrifices and all those kind of things, they found that they couldn't be set free. 
And then the writer of Hebrews uses Psalm 40. And what he's trying to say here is, should it have been the case, it would only have been needed to be done once. The sacrificial system, the sacrifice of a lamb would only have taken place once and then the comers thereunto would have been perfect. But because it's done over and over and over, it is a sign that it doesn't work. Okay, that's very important to understand. Okay, when, when we go to verse 5, we see there it says, Wherefore, when he comes into the world, talking about Jesus, he says, Sacrifice and offering you would not, you didn't want it, but a body have you prepared for me. You'll see I've put the wherefore there in yellow because I want to I bring attention to that because it flows from the previous verses. So what he's saying is, is that because the law does not have that power, it, it is not even designed to bring that forth in you. It cannot set you free at all. It says because one, should, a, should the sacrificial system and the law system by which they walked and the way they interpreted that have been accurate, it they should have only had one sacrifice and no more remembrance of sin. What you talk about remembrance of sin is from there they would have had a hopeful expectation of salvation, freedom from corruption. And if we use the terms that we understand today, freedom from the enslavement of sin and all those things, they would have been absolutely free and they would have seen no need whatsoever to have brought another sacrifice because they would have seen we are okay now. You know, we have got the surety of eternal life. We are 100% fine. There's no need to continue with these things for we are now free from the bondage of mortality. We are free from uh, sin in the flesh and we are assured of eternal life. That is what they would have said. But since the law could not do that, the Bible says that's why in verse 5 it says, Wherefore, for this reason, when Jesus came into the world, he said, sacrifice you did not want. God didn't want sacrifice for it couldn't heal his people. It would be equivalent to a medical doctor that comes to a person and he, a patient comes and sees him uh, at his offices and he, he says to him, listen, man, I'm struggling. They do tests. They realize that this man has got uh, liver cancer. But in the meantime, this man went and he read up on Band-Aid and bandages. And what he does is he, he is very skillful in bandaging himself. And he would put Band-Aid on and put bandages around his waist and so forth and put pressure and all those kind of things uh, over the liver and so forth thinking that he's now going to be healed from liver cancer. Now, the fact that he puts those bandages on and he has to put it on all the time and after six months he's still wearing it means it doesn't work. And if you get to a doctor and the doctor look at what's going on, the first thing he's going to say is going to say, bandages, I would not. <laughs> bandages I wouldest not 
something else was prepared for you for it is not within the ability of a bandage to cure you for if you could be cured by these bandages you would have been cured by now but you're not verse uh, verse 6 reads as follows it says in burnt offering and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure why because it cannot make you perfect then said i lo i come in the volume or the true interpretation or in the fullness of the book it's written of me jesus said to do your will O god above when he said sacrifice and offering and burnt offering and offerings for sin you would not neither had pleasure in them which are offered by the law then said i lo i come to do your will O god he takes away the first that he may establish the second by which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of jesus christ once for all okay now let's read and, and, and understand the thought of the writer here what he's saying is if the law could set you free sacrificial system could set you free then it would only have been done once or more accurately he would have said he said that it wouldn't have been repetitive you do it once you know or maybe if you had to do it five times and it worked then then it would have worked but since it's been done for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and it's not working it means it doesn't work and then when jesus came into the earth he quotes psalm 40 and he said that jesus basically said sacrifice an offering you did not want and the reason why you don't want that is because it couldn't make the people perfect so when we look at the law and when we look at jesus we look at jesus and the law as something that god gives or as something that's supposed to clean us up and give us life even if we understood the law correctly in the old it would have been seen as something that purifies us not as something that we need to do and we need to purify ourselves and so live the law it has been seen as soap man it's been seen as something that must wash you and keep you clean and secure your life the old didn't work jesus said i see that you have come and you have prepared a body this body was then uh, to conquer death and what God has sacrificed or what God has given is the body of Jesus. You've prepared a body for me. Small point on that just quickly. When we look at sacrifices, in the old, the sacrifice was something you prepared and brought to God. You had to prepare a sacrifice. You prepared the lamb or you took the lamb to the priest it was prepared by the priest in a certain way check that it was done most of the, the 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 killing and all those kind of things wasn't done by the people that brought the the lamb it was done by priests and so forth um if what i've read is accurate uh, but um and i've read commentaries on this now and that's what i refer to in the old testament there were places where we find abraham and all that he did the the, the killing and the slaughtering and so forth but whosoever did it is irrelevant the point is that you had to prepare like abraham prepared 
those bullocks. He slaughtered them, cut them in certain pieces. They had to be prepared in a certain, it had to be prepared in a certain way. So in the very same way, God prepared a body. We can see that the Old Testament was a shadow of what God would do. The emphasis was never on what we do. The emphasis is never on what we bring to the table. The emphasis was on what God brings to the table, that which he was willing to prepare. And what he prepared, we see the sacrifices as prepared, uh, being prepared as the death of Jesus, because we only see the slain lamb. But what God prepared, the body that he prepared, was a body that would, through death, entered eternal life and that is the body that we look at today that is the body that he has given that's why the bible says that for god to love the world that he gave the only begotten the resurrected body that's what he gives unto us so in the new testament uh, what the scripture says is he takes away the old to give the resurrected body which would be the cure for our problems Using the old system over and over and over couldn't work. And since it, we can clearly see it doesn't work, we have to look at something that is greater. Now, I want to, with that in mind, touch a scripture which can be very offensive to some. But I want you to please give it some attention. This is now um, Mark 8. Um, and I'm going to read from verse 15. Verse 14. Now the disciples has forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in, in the ship more than one loaf. And he charged them. This is Jesus now. And he said to them, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and also of the leaven of Herod. Now that is a very interesting thing that he just said there. Now, we always say the, the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees. But many times in the scriptures, it does not only refer to the leaven of the Pharisees, but also that of the Sadducees. And here in this case, it talks about the leaven of Herod. Now, I do think that there were some Sadducees that were also in the leaven of Herod. Now, what is the leaven of Herod? And the point that I try to make is the leaven of Herod was the teachings of, about Herod, which was taught by the Herodians. So we had the teaching of the Pharisees, which was the leaven of the Pharisees, which was, and that which we are addressing now, the sacrificial system and the lambs and all those kind of things. But then there was also the leaven of Herod, meaning the teaching of the Herodians. So Jesus warns us, he ends the old and he brings the new. And as he brings the new, he says, this old repetitive sacrificial system is not going to work. A body was prepared. But listen, while we're on the topic, Jesus says, we are saying that that old system, be careful of the teaching of the Pharisees, which was the accurate implementation of all these customs and, and things. But also, be be careful of the teaching of the Herodians. You also remember that the Herodians in Mark 12 came to Jesus and they said to Jesus, Jesus, uh, should you pay tax taxes to Caesar? Now the, 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 um, the Pharisees and the Herodians came and they wanted to trick Jesus. What the Herodians believed was the following. 
Herod um, was a leader of, I mean, there were different Herods. And the Herod that is talked about here of the Herodians, they were, they were, they, they were, they were people that were governing different, let's say, states, if you want to call it, of which Galilee was one. And these Herodians were um, Hellenized Jews. What that was, was it was Jews that also followed some of the Greek cultures and then also started to get into the politics that was around that. And they believed in honoring Caesar so that they can have political power. And as long as what they've had political power, they could then um, bring the Jewish teachings to the areas where they had political power. So what they were basically saying is, we need power. We need political authority. That is what we need. That's what they said. And that's why they were asking, are you, you know, they said to Jesus, we know that you don't uh, regard the person. You're not going to say, well, follow Caesar because he's now a Caesar. You think he's special. So we just want to know, should you pay taxes to Caesar? Because they already knew that Jesus was not following their, their political system. He was not for that. But Jesus answered them with wisdom that was greater than what they came. And he knew the hypocrisy. And he says, man, give taxes to Caesar, but give to God what is God's. And he got himself out of that by answering in a truthful way. So we can see that the Herodians were people that said, if the Jews through Herod, uh, king of the Jews, to a certain degree, or a tetriarch, I think is what it's called there in English, a, a ruler of Galilee. If, if through him we can have political power, we through that can maybe get more gain, more influence, and so through the political power we can then bring Jewish customs to the area where we have rulership and so bring peace and so bring uh, financial prosperity to the areas where there is rulership. And who knows, it might happen that this uh, Herod becomes greater and greater. He might take over and then we're going to, in that way, have Judaism f flood the whole of the world. That was what they were thinking. They thought through political power they're going to make it. So Jesus has got two systems here that he addresses. You cannot through the customs of Moses, neither through the belief of political power, can you have peace. The teachings, these two teachings, is leaven, and a little leaven leavens the whole lump. We call it mixture in today's talk, grace circles, we call it mixture. You cannot mix the law and grace, neither can you mix the beliefs of the Herodians. Um, with the with with grace, with what Jesus Christ had to come and and, and bring. Okay, I want to just put it this way, and and then I'm going to move on to uh, to Psalm 40. We find the system where the Jewish sacrifices, because they were offered rep repeatedly. And couldn't bring a solution. It was seen as not effective and not part of what God has dreamt. 
Now, when we look at, and we're taking it now today, and this is where I say it might become offensive to some, talking about the, the Herodians. If politics worked, you would only need one political party, voted in once, and that would be it. If God was in that system to bring deliverance and salvation and protection to people. I think the old law was good in the sense of don't murder, don't do this, don't do that, and all those kind of things. Don't do that. It was a way wherein they governed. But it could not produce what man needed. In the very same way, we find the Herodians, the, the, the leaven of the Herodians, the Jews that thought that through political power we can get our values into a greater uh, uh, area of the world and so have peace. Jesus says, watch out for that belief as well. Just believe in me. That is enough. Watch out for belief or trust or reliance in that system. Will that system be there? Yes. But watch out for reliance and finding your peace in that. That is not going to protect you. That is not a place of safety. That is not, if it, have, if it would work, there would, would be no need for Jesus, man. If the sacrificial systems of the Old Testament, the lambs worked, there would have been no need for Jesus. But here we see an absolute need for Jesus. And he takes the old and take it away. I want to say in the very same way as what it worked for the in, in, in Hebrews for the Jews, wherein the takes the old away and bring the new, the same for the Herodians. He takes what he declares what they believed as old now that was a way wherein man tried when there was no jesus so now you believe upon the lord and he will give you safety he will bring you peace he will bring you life when jesus declared that the herodians wanted to kill him because they believed that he's ending the influence that god wanted in the world wherein they could have uh, power whereby they could bring in their customs, their Judeo values, they could bring it in. He says, watch out for that. That is what Jesus taught. Now, <clears throat> with that in mind, we can now go to Psalm 40. Jesus again, and now we're looking at what the righteousness of God is. This is what this message is all about. And we're going to repeat what was quoted in Hebrews? It says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears have you opened. Burnt offering and sin offering have you not required. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It's written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. So Jesus says, man, you've opened my ears, Father. Jesus had a revelation. Could Jesus get a revelation? Yes, the Bible says that Jesus became strong in the grace of God. He grew in the grace of God. When Jesus was six years old, I tell you, he was busy with sacrifices and stuff. Man. Jesus definitely, I have no doubt about it, that his father and mother would have followed the customs of Moses and they would have had sacrifices prepared for their children and all those kind of things. 
that had to take place. They went as a family and they, they, they partook as a family in the sacrificial systems that took place. And it must have been that Jesus at certain time was hearing the law as bring these sacrifices. But then the scripture says here that, um, <clears throat> In verse 6, sacrifice and offering you did not, my ears you have opened. That means Jesus' ears was closed at a certain point in his life. And then the father opened his ears and then he started to see what these old things was, you know, were all about. It was only pointing to what could truly set man free and you've prepared a body for me. I think what Jesus started to realize was I come from the father. And I am going back to the Father, but I'm going back in bodily form. And what you have prepared for me is a physical body to be at your right hand from where I can rule over the corruption in man's flesh so that man through my doing can have life. That is what Jesus is saying here. And when Jesus got the revelation, he realized what the law of life truly was all about. And then he said here, in the volume of the book, it is written about me. So these things about the death and about all those things and the sacrifices and everything does not, it actually says, points to Jesus and does not point to what man had to do. Now, I also believe that if that teaching was classified as a leaven and the doctrine of Herod was also classified as a leaven, we can treat it the same as pertaining to ending the system. The system of kings. We had kings in the Old Testament. They were kings that governed and all those kind of things. And that was made old when Jesus was made Lord and King, isn't it? Then that system of earthly kings was made old. And we find that we don't trust in those kings anymore and their political power and their armies and their jurisdictions. And we don't trust that anymore. There is no salvation in that. There is no peace in that. None whatsoever. None. Although it will still continue, and I think it will continue uh, until Jesus comes. But there's no trust we put in that at all. There's no security in that. There's no safety in that. That is the old way. He says here, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is in my heart. Now, we, now, now keep that in mind. Your law is in my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not retained my lips, O Lord. You know, I have not hid your righteousness in my heart. Okay, so what is he saying here? He's saying, the righteousness of God, which is the law of God, was revealed to Jesus for what it truly is. The law of God truly is that which God has prepared for Jesus to bring salvation to man, something that would only have to die and be raised once. 
And through that one death and resurrection, people will stand perfect in need of nothing else to secure them to have God's life. Just that. That is what he is saying here. He says, um, and this law I have hid in my heart. And this is what this law is. I have preached. This is verse 10. I've declared your faithfulness. I've declared your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. So what is Jesus saying here? What is God saying through Psalm 40 here? He prepared the body of Jesus, but Jesus, when he was on the earth and where he is now, he is declaring God's faithfulness. So the correct interpretation of the law is that it is God's faithfulness that will set you free. It is God's salvation. It is God's loving kindness and God's truthfulness that will set us free. So the law is all about how faithful God is. So whenever you read the law, you need to read how faithful God is. And that should direct you to the faithfulness of God. And the faithfulness of God is God keeping his promise, which was to conquer sin and death and offer you freedom from sin in the flesh by the power of God alone and nothing else. Security for me and my children, a secure future in this earth is my children knowing and being under the power of the resurrected Christ. So what will I teach them? How are they going to be secure? I'm going to warn them against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, and I will point them to the kingdom that is truly in power, which is the rulership of Jesus, and I will teach them to submit to that rulership and so experience the benefits of that kingdom in their lives today. As they then believe upon that, they will find the faithfulness of God bring life to them, a life which can never end. This will bring them to a place where they are free from fear. They will have no fear at all. They will, they will have the life of God on them. That is what they will experience. Glory to God they will experience freedom from sin in the flesh. They will experience the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. That's what they will experience. They will also then train their children up in the way we, which they're supposed to go, which is to believe and fully trust in Jesus not having the leaven of the Pharisees, neither the leaven of the Herodians or the leaven of Herod, only believing in Jesus. Glory to God. Okay, now I'm going to one more verse and then I'm ending off. Romans 3.19. Now we know that what things soever the law says, 
It says to them that are under the law. Now it talks about if you want to interpret it in the old way of saying that every mouth should be stopped and the whole world become guilty before God. So what it's saying is the law was given so that man can see that by his own works and the sacrificial systems, it cannot work. In the very same way, kings and rulers of old was then given by the demand of man and God allowed it, I would say, if we interpret it in the same context, to show that, listen, by a having a king and a ruler under which you submit, which enforce laws, you cannot have any peace. Know that. They're going to be there, but you cannot put your trust in them. Law will be there until Jesus comes. It will always be there. Government laws will be there. This law of Moses even, you know, and be, will be taught and by people and, and it, we're going to find it still here in this world until the day Jesus returns and we find the glorification of all things. It will be there, but we cannot put our trust in that. It shall not set us free. If it could set us free, it would have been. It would have been. But since we find new leaders new kings all the time the next one with his promises and the next one with his promises and it is not working what does it mean it means that <laughs> it's showing all people it's stopping the mouth of all people so that all can point to jesus and say well we couldn't we need god Romans 3.20, therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Therefore, by the deeds of the Pharisees or the leaven, the leaven of the Pharisees or the leaven of Herod, shall no flesh be justified before God. In other words, shall no flesh experience the quality of God's life uh, in any form or fashion. Romans 3.21, but now the righteousness of God. What is the righteousness of God? It is the faithfulness of God. It is the salvation of God. It is the loving kindness of God. It is the truthfulness of God is manifested. It is given, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. Okay. So what is he saying? He says that the righteousness of God without the law, the righteousness of God can be, you can experience peace for you and your family in the future, free from the leaven of the Pharisees or the leaven of the Herodians. You can experience the faithfulness of God towards you. You can experience the salvation of God towards you. You can experience the righteousness, the goodness of God towards you, the truthfulness of God towards you, where you can behold the law. Yes, you can look at the law. You can every day look at the, 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 the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod every day. It is in our earth. You can look at it every day and see how it doesn't work. And then you can say, thank you for the reminder that it doesn't work. I now look at Jesus, the only one. And through him, I have life. The word faith here, I want, to just read, I want us to read 322 together. It says, 
even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. That word faith there can have two meanings. Uh, the word faith is the word pistis. It means conviction of the truth of anything, belief in the New Testament of the conviction or belief. So uh, faith can be a conviction or faith can also, depending on the context, be used or translated as fidelity, faithfulness, the character of one who can be relied on. So what does Romans 3.22 say? It says, now we are saved and what is revealed to us is the righteousness of God, which is through the character of of the one, the fidelity of Jesus, the character of one, the equity of character of Jesus, a character that can be trusted. The righteousness of God is revealed in the equity or the reliableness of Jesus, how you can rely upon him unto all them that believe upon him. So us who have come to the place that we say, we were looking at, imagine, just imagine the Pharisees when they heard and read Hebrews and saying, this is the old system. You cannot have any confidence in that. They would have said, rubbish. We have obeyed the law and we've seen how God has come through for us in the, in the past. We have seen how this brings. But here Jesus comes and says, that's old. The fact that you do it again and again and again means it doesn't work. Let me tell you, that's old. That must have been very difficult for them. Because what are they going to trust? They need something trustworthy now. Now they had to be presented with a trustworthiness of Jesus. How faithful Jesus is to the Father. And how the Father has sealed him in giving him the Holy Spirit. And how the Father has appointed him um, and glorified him, putting him at the right hand of God. So now this Jesus can be used to trust in. This is what the scripture says. But now the righteousness of God, the equitable deed of God is given to us the righteousness of God which is by the faithfulness of Jesus to bring forth what God has promised in our lives by that I'm also set free from the leaven of Herod glory to God and I put my trust in Jesus and I say hallelujah I have a future I don't have to look at what happens when people pull out guns, warn people, threaten with a civil war and those kind of things. I don't have to think, what must I do now to make these things work? For I am not under a doctrine wherein I believe that through those things, I will be secure. I trust Jesus. Call me a fool. Call me whatever you like. But I watch out i'm not going to fall under the leaven of herod will herod be there yes will those systems be there yes will those systems to a certain degree bear the sword and do those things yes but i've got no trust in them 
My trust is in Christ alone. Therefore, and this is the thing, <laughs> if what happens according to the leaven of Herod is not in line with what I think it's supposed to be, I, I lose no peace. I lose no sleep. I am not stressed out. I don't care because he cares for me and he cares for you and he cares for all people. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You might say, but the leaven of Herod has worked in the past. That would be equivalent to Abraham coming to God when God told him, I've promised you Isaac and said, and telling God that's not needed. It has worked for me. I've generated an Ishmael. It's worked. It is not of promise. It's of hard work. God has come to give his promise and fulfill it and so give us eternal life. In our house, we have peace. If I look at my life, this, what I teach you today, has brought me peace. When we look at what, when I, when I look at the teachings of the law, when it wants to come my way and follow these principles, you know, like, um, Believe in Jesus, but also tithe. When I watched out for the leaven of the Pharisees, I was saved from living in that system and the condemnation of it. And as I watched out for the leaven of Herod, I found out, glory to God, that I'm also saved from the emotional turmoil that I was going through in the past when I beheld what was happening in the political arena, thinking I, we just need power, political power. Otherwise, we will not be able to implement what is of value. But now I'm free. <laughs> I'm truly free. Now, I want you to go and pray about this. I can only teach what I feel the scripture teaches. And I can also teach what I found was bearing effortless fruit in my life. And that is what I bring to you. Thank you for allowing me to serve you with this challenging message today. And I want to just say this. I'm just honest from the depth of my heart. I don't hear many people preach this. I hear some preaching the leaven of the Pharisees, some preaching the leaven of Herod. And then I hear people preaching and saying, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. But there's a very small, I, I don't know of, people warning against the leaven of Herod. So if God uses me to say that, I'm willing that he speaks this message through me and I do this with all honesty and sincerity and love in my heart and I know in my life the fruit that this brings to me. If the leaven of Herod was in my household, it would have been chaos right now in South Africa where people just want to take up arms where, where we are, where political leaders say we don't care for civil war and those kind of things when it was in the mouth of people. When I hear those things, doesn't matter what I hear, I say, well, I hear that. Is Herod there? Yes. But I'm not in the leaven of Herod. There's none of that leaven in me. I believe in Jesus and I preach the gospel. 
of Jesus Christ. And this is what changes lives. Thank you that I could have ministered to you. Know that God loves you and that he cares for you. I just want to bring to your attention as well. We are having a word school where I'm going to teach through Acts chapter by chapter. And this is a lot of this. This is also in Acts that I've mentioned today. If you want to know more about that, just write an email to info at dynamicministries.com requesting to be part of our word school. It starts on the 1st of November. We'll send you the link and the necessary information that you need for that. It is for free, obviously. Thank you that you allowed me to serve you with what God has put in my heart. Amen.